Unfolding the eternal excellences, the hidden insights of the truth and the depth of the riches of wisdom and knowledge. The Bible says, I have cleansed thee by the word. I have not pointed to your weaknesses. He says, I have cleansed thee by the word. I have pointed to your strength. And this is your strength, that I am Christ in you, the hope of glory. The glory of freedom, the glimpses into eternity. The gospel is not supposed to be an assumption. It's not supposed to be just a mere presupposition. Truth is older than language, but the word of God is way deeper than any human language. And now, Apostle Grace with the word. Today I wanted to take some time and engage you in a deeply philosophical, but yet very true of what we have learned of God. And I've always told us our walk of faith is different individual from individual. We are placed differently in our walk of faith depending on how we individually respond to the word of God. Isn't that true? So faith has places. If you remember when Peter was sinking. Remember when he walks on water and then he begins to sink. Jesus asks Peter, from whence did thou doubt? In other words, from what place did you doubt? Because as faith is a place, doubt is a place also. Some people live in doubt. Some people live in faith. But these are places accorded. And all of us have the choice according to what God has given us in Christ to choose where to stand. However, in this conversation, I realize that partly the reason why we're not living fully or functioning efficiently in the faith that we've been given according to the truth that we read, many times it is because of our ignorance, either in what we do not know or, and sadly and more painfully, in what we have been taught wrong. Now, in what you don't know, if somebody shows you, you can easily calibrate yourself. But the biggest struggle and war in the hearts of many believers in the world is to unlearn what was taught wrong. Because everything that is taught you is like a planting in the spirit. The word of God is a seed. Remember? Luke 8 and 11. The parable is that the seed is the word of God. The word of God is like a seed. So rather a man be ignorant and be informed or taught the right way than a man in as far as how much you need to deliver when you're dealing with a man who has the wrong seed and that seed sprouted out and grew a shoot and budded, bled and fruit of it. It is easier to teach somebody who has not known anything from nothing than to help somebody uproot and unlearn whatever they have learned wrong because it is harder to uproot anything that has been planted for a long time. For example, look at a tree that has been planted for 30 years. 40 years, 
20 years. The rain has been falling on it. It's been receiving enough light. The ground has been good and comfortable for it. And it has been growing. And eventually you have to come to this individual and tell them that what you actually thought was true is not true. And we have to, uh, you know, uproot all that you think you know and plant right. Some of them, they feel like they're beginning from nothing. And for some, even in that delusion, perhaps they've married in there, raised children in there, built ministries and have become successful to a certain extent because the Bible says in the days of ignorance, the Lord winks, but now he calleth all men to repent that God can actually bless a man in his indifference because the man is ignorant. He does not know what he should know. And then we build doctrines around that. Now, Paul says something so powerful in 2 Corinthians, the second chapter, the 11th verse. He says, Lest Satan should get an advantage of us, for we are not ignorant of his devices. The Amplified Version says, To keep Satan from getting the advantage over us, for we are not ignorant of his wiles and intentions. We're not ignorant of his schemes and plans. So when the man tells you that we are not supposed to be ignorant of certain schemes, least he will have advantage over us, it means the only reason why the devil has an advantage over you is because of how tricked you have been, how deceived you have been. Whatever strategy he laid on you has worked. Do you realize there, he did not say, for we are not ignorant of his power. Come on, help me somebody. He did not say, for we are not ignorant of his power. He says, for we are not ignorant of his devices. The Amplified Version says, his wiles or intentions. Because Satan does not have power over a believer. That's why the Bible tells you, put you on the armor of God, that you may be able to withstand all the tricks of the enemy, all the wiles of the enemy, all the tricks of the enemy. He didn't say all the powers of the enemy. Then you find a believer praying like this. I break the power of the devil on my life. Did you hear that? A believer says, I break the power of the enemy over my life. So you come to this person and ask him, who told you that the devil has power over you? And he says, oh, no, but I had my pastor pray like that. I had the bishop pray like that. I had the evangelist, the apostle, a certain apostle praying like that. Oh, you know, some of you, you borrow other people's words in prayer. Even those things that carry no revelation. Do you know what it means for you to declare power the devil's power over you and you recognizing that firstly that power is there you're trying to break it off your life do you know how deceived you are you're actually worse than somebody who has not yet known anything because you have planted something and you've been praying and watering it over the years then you've gone for those prayer meetings that water the same things Every time they're casting, they're breaking some sort of power that disturbed them or is disturbing them, that is troubling them, that they call it prayer. And it's not prayer. It's ignorance. It's ignorance. You see, don't forget the Bible calls Satan a crafty man, person. It says, I fear, least by any means, as a serpent beguiled Eve, through his subtlety, his subtle, 
is smart. So your mind should be corrupted from the simplicity that is in Jesus Christ. Satan is subtle. He's a crafty fellow. He knows his way around. He thinks, he plans for you. He strategizes. He sits down and takes time to say, how do I flip this individual into trouble? He just doesn't say, let me go and attack you. No. He will sit down first and plan, strategize, study you, see how you think, see how you eat, see how you believe. Come when you're praying and hear how you pray and say, ah, I know how to trip this one. Then he goes to plan for you against what he knows you do not know. Are you following me, child of God? And unfortunately today, now allow me to, uh, to really take some time and touch this issue where I have seen most people tripped into destruction because of what they were told wrong. Or rather, ignorance of what was true. But that ignorance did not come because they were not given the opportunity to hear, but the opportunity that they were given to hear did not uh, convey truth. It gave deception. So Satan sits one day and he says, how do I trip them? How do I cause them to fall into a trap of destruction, disease, you know, death, frustrations, loss, demonic possession, affliction. How, how do I do it? So he says, it's one thing for me to deny them truth. I can't. But I can use that which they call true to plant my own seeds of deception so that they'll carry a false doctrine over the years and therein destroy them eventually. And so sometimes I watch in pain and horror where I see believers who are failing in life, not because they don't pray, not because they don't fast, but because they were told wrong. In the book of Revelations, if you read the second chapter, a conversation is given to the church in Theatira. And he says that some people had been consumed by certain doctrines by Jezebel that were to their destruction. But then there are people which had not yet given in to these deceptions. And this is where the verses 24 find us. It says, For unto you, I say unto the rest in Theatira, as of many as have not this doctrine, and which have not known the depths of Saturn as they speak. He says, I'll pour unto you now other burden. He's talking to the church in Tertia and he's saying, the rest of you, I'm talking to the rest of you, which have not yet given into this false doctrine. He says, because you've not given into the false doctrine, comma, nor have learnt the depths of Saturn, I will not put a burden over you. Now let me explain this so you understand. If I was in a masterclass talking to ministers, I would have wanted to engage them in the dimensions of instruction. Because God does not instruct us from one dimension. The instructions of God have dimensions. Are you following what I'm saying? And because the instructions of God have dimensions, it's to the wisdom of God, firstly, as how much God has revealed to you to be able to receive certain instructions in certain dimensions 
of divine salt. I'll give you an example. There are things we will call generic instruction. That's called basic instruction. That if God appeared here and gave us that instruction, all of us would understand it. But as to the fact that it has been given to us generally, that's not all there is to that instruction. There are people in that very instruction, which seems generic, would in deeper consecration pick a deeper instruction in the very instruction God has given because they understand the deeper dimensions of instruction. For example, Jesus comes generally to people, right? People that were following him. And he starts to speak in parables. He started to speak in parables. Why don't you just say straight that this is this? Why does he go through, you know, series of parables? And then his disciples come to him and say, why do you speak in parables? Why do you speak in parables? In fact, parables are third dimension of instruction. First instruction is that generic. The basic instruction. And as you mature in the things of God, he starts to give you allusions in instructions. You know, simple hints of things that by your maturity, he expects you to understand. For example, when it comes to Abraham, the Bible says, and the scriptures for us saying that God would justify the Gentiles through faith, he went afore to Abraham, preaching to him, saying, in thee shall all nations be blessed. In thee shall all nations be blessed. God taught Abraham the New Testament in seven words. Seven words. Abraham understood the New Testament. Now imagine if he had said it to everybody where Abraham was and there was a congregation of about 200,000 people and he says, in thee shall all nations be blessed. Would all of them understand what God had said? No. But it was in the wisdom and place that Abraham had been elevated to understand God that he understood the full counsel of what God was saying when he said, in thee shall all nations be blessed. So when Jesus says, your father Abraham saw my day and he was excited. He rejoiced to see my day. Abraham saw Jesus' day and started dancing. You see? He just gave him a hint of a statement and this man picked it. A second dimension. And then you see another dimension of God using parables, but he expects that by wisdom you'll understand what he's saying without him telling you directly. And in those very instructions, there's even a fourth dimension where we enter now the realm of demystifying things as of a mystery to show you the hidden thing that you could not read in that surface from where you read. That is why there are people in this world who can open that same Bible you read and they say something that you have never seen in the very thing you even quote, you even sing in song, but you carry no vision, no eye, no precision of divine language to be able to interpret what another man is able to demystify because he understands the secret. He understands the hidden thing so I, sometimes I see that the deception is in them which assume they have understood because they understand the basic according to the language in which God has spoken. 
doctrine, doctrine can only be understood when you learn to dig deeper. Deep, call us unto deep. Satan understands this. That is why the disciples of Jesus are troubled when they find a man casting out devils in the name of Jesus. And they say, we found a man casting out devils in your name and we forbid him because this fellow does not follow with us. When you were teaching, he wasn't there. When you were instructing us, he's not there. We have asked everybody and nobody seems to know this fellow. How was this one taught? Because they think he only speaks from that one dimension. He only instructs when he gathers them. And yet, even these disciples have a higher realm of instruction. Oh, why are you speaking to people in parables? He says, no, don't worry for me speaking them in parables. That's the dimension they're able to understand. But for you, it is given to you to know the mysteries of the kingdom. He's telling them you can go a dimension higher, fourth dimension. I tend to think they did not know that they had that ability or else they would not have asked that kind of question. So God instructs us differently. That is why one man can read, you know, something and tend to understand what they've actually not understood. That is why we separate the wisdom of the world and the wisdom of God. But through the wisdom of the world, men have walked away from God. It pleased the Father that in their wisdom they should not know Him. Yet in His foolishness, He's revealed Sometimes the people you find who are most smart in the world, you find actually that the people who draw away from God. You see him reveal to babes what he cannot show the prudent and the wise. Wow. Are you following what I'm saying? So if I was in a masterclass, I would teach probably these dimensions of instruction. Because some of you miss God because you are not instructed right. And if you cannot understand those instructions, you can't understand your dreams. You can't understand the visions that fly over you every night. You cannot understand to undergird yourself because you carry no prudence of the spirit. You are simple spiritually. In other words, you're weak in the spirit realm. So whenever the devil comes, he takes advantage over you every time. The Bible speaks of men of whom the devil takes at captive at his own will. There is no even fighting power. Or if it is there, it carries no bearing. When it comes to take them, he takes them. 2 Timothy 2.26 They are taken captive by him at his own will. There are people here who are just alive by the devil's mercy. If that exists. That means if he decides to take them out, he'll take them out. There are people in the world who are believers, but which doctor can tell them I'll kill you and they can kill them. There's some, some of you, are, some people are alive because somebody has not yet gone to a witch doctor yet to bewitch them. There are people like that in the same, in this world. Hey, nudge somebody and tell them not me. Nudge somebody and tell them the one they're talking about didn't come. <laughs> Praise the Lord Jesus. Are you following what I'm saying? You just take it. He says, let me put headache. You, you are going to get it. You can't stop it. And now add the deceptions that come through. Wrong teaching. Huh? We, you, you find a church and it's just teaching the depth of Satan. Not the power of God. Some of you go to those places. Where they just teach, now, the, now, if your shirt gets burnt, this is the devil. If your shoe gets old, this is the devil. If you wake up in the morning and find a black cat, this is what it means. 
One time, I was dealing with somebody who lost their mind. They ran mad. And then they were taken to this church. And then this church was saying, oh no, don't take them to some of these funero English-speaking churches. They don't understand deliverance. We're the ones who understand deliverance. So they take this individual there, they tie them, you know, they put them in a room, they are casting out, teaching, casting, nothing. This person is on the verge of death. Their relative calls me and says, help us. I have two or three witnesses here who know that story. So I said, okay, bring that person. In 10 minutes, they were sober. <laughs> 10. Us who don't know. Jesus never had deliverance rooms. It's never written anywhere in the history of human existence that there was a place where they used to tire, you know, mad people. And then Jesus would come and today teach them and then cast. And then tomorrow they are casting. And then the next week they are casting. And then next year they're, hey! He finds a man with legion and he says, you are free. And legion knows where to go because he knows what is inside him. Somebody shout, Amen. amen. Jesus never had deliverance services. No, he just cast out. That was deliverance. That's it. That's it. Now somebody's going to go and cut that clip. Never had deliverance services. And then we'll miss out the rest of what I've said. And then I'll say, ah, you see? This guy is false. You see? No, no, no. I'm trying to show you how the devil makes some people think. Are you following what I'm saying? Ask myself, look at this man, blind Bartimaeus sees like that. A lame person falls, you walk up, get up, you get up with your bed and start walking. And the man who is sick constructs himself and walks back home. And I'm thinking, these guys who are demon possessed, they're screaming, Son of my God, what do you want with us? Get out! Which? And the man walks in the city free. And I'm seeing that now we are we are in, in, in spaces where you get somebody and arrest them for two weeks. What what are you casting out? What, what is that that you're casting out that can't leave? I can't build deliverance rooms because Jesus did. Somebody said, oh no, it's my, it's my calling. It's not your calling. It's not your calling. You can't do what Jesus couldn't do. Am I helping somebody? God wants to take you to a place where you just say, get out! And you don't need to repeat yourself. Because greater is he which is in you than he which is in Christ. And the person they were casting that devil out also was a Christian. Who also says greater. <laughs> oh, no. the, the same person. They are born again. Some of you, you should examine salvation. Whether you're really born again. The person they are casting this out is also born again. And they are claiming that greater is he who is in them than he which is in the world. Do you know what that portion of scripture means? It means that if they were to get every demon from Haiti to Taiwan, from Singapore to Indonesia, from Fiji to Jakarta, from, 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 from the United States to Jamaica, from Rwanda to Uganda, and they collected all of those devils in one place. It means that the one in you is still greater than all the demons in the world. So how can you tell me you have a tenant, your house, eh, that, that you have tenants. Eh? Call 
just stand before you. You're just there with demons. How can you tell me that you keep them, you walk with them, you eat with them, you sleep with them, they wake up on you, they sleep with you, they dress with you, they come to church with you, and they go back home with you. How? What's wrong with you? Who is inside you? If you see this, this is what it means. If you do this, this is what it means. So some of you, you have crammed everything in the world. Even an innocent snake, if it passes, things that when you wake up in the morning and then you find, you know, a woman like this, you're not going to make money that day. I've heard it in African conversations. What has the woman you found got to do with the blessing of God that maketh rich and addeth no sorrow? Come on, help me somebody. When I find a woman or a frog, when I find a snake or ice cream on the, they, nothing, nothing can frustrate the blessing of God on my life. Somebody shout hallelujah. He said I shall be blessed going in and going out. He said I shall be blessed in the city and in the country. He knew that while I'm walking through I might meet some ladies. But oh, 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 oh. Somebody help me. They have known the depths of Satan. And I hear in my heart a man say, this one is playing with the devil. No, 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 no. You are playing with God. Somebody shout hallelujah. And God tells them, because you have refused to know the depth of Saturn and chosen to know the depth of God, he says, I'll put upon you no other burden. The Greek word for burden is baros, which refers to a load that will slow down a runner in a race. It means some of you, the reason why things are moving slowly is perhaps you carry a burden of false doctrine. Am I helping somebody? God has called you to run swift and fast. He has called you to function light and without struggle or strife. Do you know there are people in the same world where you're dealing with some things? There are people in the same world who get those things you're fasting for easily. Right now, there's a man fasting for 100 million. There's another man in the same world who made it today in the morning. Are you following what I'm saying? And there's another man right now Who's going to make it tomorrow morning? And he's not going to fast for 40 days. No, he's just going to say, thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. And then we are faulted that we don't know how to pray. No, we know how to pray. We know how to pray. We know how to pray. That is why Jesus hid his life of prayer. So they would not copy his pattern and confuse it for relationship. Are you following what I'm saying? There's a man in the world right now who is going to say, there's a, there's a girl here. They're going to say, April 20th, I'm getting married. And they are going to get married on 20th April. And then there's another woman on the same ground. Who is saying, you will leave me. Mukasa, you will leave me. Mukasa, you will leave me. In Jesus' name. 25, you will leave me. Whether you want it or not. 30, you will leave me. 36, you will leave me. 38, 40. Now, listen. And by the way, in Uganda, it's even bad. 
according to statistics, if you're 40 years old, you're older than 89% of our population. You go and read. If you're 40 years, you're older than about 89% of our population. So you can imagine the few millions that are in your age and above. But don't be scared. Whether they remain two, yours is among the two. <laughs> Glory to God. But again, the Lord was speaking to me about that and the concern I need to have a conversation with some of us very soon, if you'll allow me. Because how do you tell me that if somebody is 40, they are older than 87% of our population. That means that our people die early. We need to address it. Put your hand on your head and say in the name of Jesus, I will not die of an early death in Jesus' name. Shout amen. Shout amen. May we continue? Yeah, so I'm trying to tell us here that today I say this with so much pain and in all humanity, men of God who are watching, listening, we are not teaching or preaching the truth. Because if we were teaching or preaching the truth, the truth men know should be able to make them free. But we see more bondage than liberty or freedom or deliverance in the very church and you live all your life. So you ask yourself, if they're rebuking devils out of you every day, what did the pastor do not to be like you? Why are you the one shaking under some demon every week? Every week, when it's looking for somebody to play with, it looks for you. And some of it's because you're trying to undo 30 years of wrong teaching. Now, go back, for example, to the woman called Jezebel. You remember? She taught the church seduction and, you know, the servants of God, you know, committing fornication. Now, do you know why many people get it wrong? They think we're talking about your generic, basic definition <laughs> of fornication. Again, because you receive only from the realm of basics. Generic. But the Bible calls Esau a perverse man and a fornicator because he sold his birthright for a muzzle of meat. Now, you ask this fellow, so what in this case makes Esau a fornicator? He says, let there be any fornicator or profane person as Esau who for one muzzle of meat sold his birthright. Oh, so that's also fornication? Yeah. And maybe the fornication we're talking about might not be this one you're reading only. But if you were deeply instructed and understand the mysterious, can demystify the secrets of God. Maybe we need to examine by Esau what was fornication. He was not caught with a woman who was not sleeping around, but he sold his birthright for a muzzle of meat. Oh, I wish I could sit down with some men and we open the Bible here. And I show you what profanity is of fornication. You'd understand that Jezebel does not only work from your basic interpretation, of sexual perversion, which is just one dimension, but that surface. Deeper, men are selling their birthrights. 
In other words, they don't even know who they are. Their identities are corrupted and compromised. Oh. And they call that which is not meat, meat. It appears to be deep. Like the depth. Eh? I don't know that you have understood the mystery there. The depth of Satan. The depth of Satan. They call it the depth. Is it an NIV or New Living Translation? I wish you would read the... Because it seems like those who say simply that you're more than a conqueror, we look shallow. We don't know how demons work. And they seem like for them they're saying that they know deeper than we do because they know they get, they what. And then you're like, no, we do know those things too. But the issue is Sometimes what you might call fourth dimension or to me might be one dimension. That doesn't mean we don't know. Some of you confuse semantics and vocabulary for depth. Do you understand what I'm saying? That because they've told you the generational thing that caught the generation of your cousin's uncle and then you can see the reality of experience in your life. Therefore, it means it must be true. You're lost. Look at how Jesus dealt with demons. You learn a lesson or two. Look at how Jesus dealt with the sick. Have you seen how easily I heal? I just say, there's somebody here with a swelling. <laughs> ah, that's not from God. Why? Because they want me to go down and then say, Mako diga 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 diga. Sika la 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 la. No. You can pray all of that and fail. Talitha Kumai. And the girl wakes up. What are you talking about? Now imagine you wake up and say business. Become alive. <laughs> Somebody shout amen. amen. Follow me here. It is not deep because it's fascinating. It is deep because it has results. It's deep because it's true not because it's fascinating. Now, you see, they are corrupted from the simplicity which is in Christ. You see, corrupted from the simplicity which is in Christ. That means to corrupt them, you make it complicated. Yet it's supposed to be simple. Let me tell you, the gospel was designed for all in Christ to walk a simple life. In Christ there is here and a man. Paul says the Christ we spoke, in him was no yea and nay. No, the one we preached Silvanus preached. Peter preached. He said, in him was yeah. And amen. Was that simple? When you understand this life, woo, you'll enjoy prayer. You'll enjoy prayer. Because you will simply be in prayer to enjoy the presence. To inquire in his courts. Not who is bewitching you or why you're not yet married. No. But what's next, Lord? That's where I live. I don't take problems in the presence. No, because I know what to do. I know what to do. He told me to divide the sea, not to ask him to divide it. Do you understand what I'm saying? Yeah, he told Moses, you part the waters. You divide the sea. It's not his responsibility. He has given me the power and authority. Exodus 14, 16. One, two, three, let's go. He says, but lift up thy rod and what? Stretch out thine word. Hand over the sea and do what? Did he say, and I will divide it? 
No, he said I'm divided. That is why some people cannot understand the connotations of language in New Testament. He says, you shall heal the sick. He didn't say, you lay hands and I will heal them. Of course it's him working in us both to will and to do according to his good pleasure. But he has deliberately chosen that language. It's sacred. He says, you shall heal the sick. Oh my goodness. Matthew 10, 8. He says, heal the sick. Cleanse the leper. Raise the dead. Cast out devils. Freely I have given you. Therefore, give it. So that means when you get to a sick person, go there and expect you to say, Father, you can see. Your dear daughter. Nakakawa. We ask you, dear father. Some even error the more and say, if it is your will, oh. You see, doctrine. When you get to a sick man, just heal them. And then you find this ignorant fellow saying, are you the one who heals them or it's God? <laughs> Matthew 10, 8 would have said, you'll stretch your hands and I will heal them. Of course, it's God working in us. And I'm going to repeat that again. Both to will and to do according to his good pleasure. But he has chosen a language here. He said, I've given you everything that pertains to life and godliness. I've blessed you with every spiritual blessing and heaven blessing Christ Jesus. Heal. So when you enter a place where people are sick, don't give excuses. You see, I've not had my ablution. I need to go and cleanse myself first. Let me first break my fast. You know, when I'm going to pray, I want to first go in the bedroom and then I first charge. No. no. <laughs> oh, mama. One time I was in Zambia and I remember some people were with me. This guy comes with a twisted back. The back had a twisted disc. The sun. I'm moving my own way. He says, Pastor, you have a healing anointing. My back is paining. I just stood like this and I said, Heal! <laughs> and the guy did like, Hallelujah! He starts jumping. And I get into the car like I was chewing popcorn. No big deal. Glory to God. Not somebody and tell him, Hallelujah! I know who I am. <laughs> I know what's inside me. I know who works in me both to will and to do according to his good pleasure. He told you divide the sea. Our company is struggling. Fix it. My marriage is breaking. Work it out. I'm waiting on God. Listen, we wait on God for ministry. That's what the Bible says. For your ministry, the Bible says, let us wait on our ministry. We wait on God for ministry. The rest, we just execute according to the power and authority that has been given to us by Christ. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. But because you beheld the wrong doctrine, you're carrying a burden. You feel like you're breaking things that don't break. And many people can't even tell the difference between doctrines. They say, ah, even the other one, yeah, I had it. Somebody was preaching. Oh, were they really preaching this? Oh no, because you don't yet know the difference. Let me tell you. You see, there's this famous scripture people read in Isaiah. No weapon formed against us shall prosper. But you see, 
nothing hits or strikes my spirit into faith like the verse before. And that's the verse many people ignore most. In Isaiah 54 verse 16, listen, listen to the guarantee here because this makes sense first for you to understand the rest of the words. God is telling you, I have created the smith that bloweth the coals in the fire and that bringeth forth an instrument for his work and have created the wester to destroy. Now, do you know why many people don't understand that? Because that's second dimensional instruction. It's speaking through allusions. It's, it's using analogies. So many of them don't understand it. Let me help you understand what he's saying. He says, I have created the smith that bloweth the coals in the fire and bringeth forth an instrument for his work and I've created the wester to destroy. He's saying, I am the one who created Satan and every ability he has. Trust me when I tell you, there is nothing he has created. Who has understood what I said? He's saying no weapon formed against you shall prosper. But you might not understand it. You might think I'm sending a, a blind comfort. No. I met the guy. I know how he is. I know what is inside him. I know every composition to atomic level. And I'm the one telling you. Anything he can make, I'm the one who made him that way. Anything he can construct, I'm the one who entered him and constructed it. Believe me when I tell you, there is no weapon that he could ever make. Oh, give me the amplified version. Amplified, amplified, 17. He says, no weapon that is formed against you shall prosper. I've first entered him and analyzed all he can do. And I've come out to tell you, when I look at you, and what I met you with. <laughs> Who has understood what I just said? This is him giving a comparison between you and the devil. He knows what he made him with, how he created him, and then he also knows the rock from which you were hewn. Again, somebody might not understand it, that the rock here is Jesus. And he's saying that I had to first enter Jesus Christ to make you. No, I didn't copy Jesus making you. I entered you, created in Christ. So when I look at you and I look at him, there is nothing that I put in him that can defeat what I... Come on, come on, come on. Did you understand that? No, but you see, they say that uh, HIV cannot be healed. And I saw that HIV could come, and he's the one who made it. And I'm saying, if HIV is a weapon, when I look at you, it cannot prosper over you. Oh, but they said diabetes is irreversible. Yes. That's what exactly what I'm trying to tell you. It's irreversible according to the terms and realms of fallen men. But when I look at what I did in you, how I configured and constructed you, and then I look at the guy who made it, no weapon that has ever been made or will be made 
by the fellow in his totality according to his genetic, spiritual, structural composition or otherwise can prosper over you. Message. Are you ready to read it? One, two, three, let's go. But no weapon that can hurt you that can hurt you has ever been forged. Nothing that can hurt you has ever been made. I hear it was made in a lab. Nothing that has ever been made can hurt you. That means before Satan makes anything, his essence and being has to consult a high power. And that power would tell him, which is God, that it can't heal them. Oh, when he was making Satan, he made sure he would not make him with anything that can kill you. He made sure he would not <laughs> equip him with anything that can destroy you. Oh, rest, rest, rest. I know you got a report of cancer, but will you just listen to this sermon and rest? I know you have something in your family that doesn't seem like it can change, but would you just remember this and rest? I know that your business is on the verge of collapse. I know that your marriage is on the cusp of destruction. I know that the Lord is happening and you're confused. You don't even know what to do the next day, but he says, I made the Wester. I would not be God to put in him what could destroy you. You cannot die. Unless you're ready to go to heaven. Shake somebody and tell him I cannot die unless I'm ready. Shake somebody and tell him no disease can kill me. Confess it. I'll go to heaven on my own time. According to what the Lord will tell me. Cancer will not take me out. Heart disease will not take me out. Strokes will not take me out. Nothing. Come on, celebrate Jesus. Celebrate Jesus. Did you get COVID? Did people die? Why are you alive? Scientifically explain to me. Some of you had diabetes. Some of you had HIV. Some of you had everything in there. The thing came, you coughed, you whizzed, you rode and said, I can't die. I can't die. I, I, oh, 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 oh. The Bible says you are more than a conqueror. That is why I tell you, I don't care how the world sinks. I don't care how much recession hits the world. No recession that has ever been made can sink me. Come on. Check somebody and tell them they're talking about me. Yes, let them be poor. We are sorry for them. But when there is a casting down for us, it's a lifting up. And I decree upon your life that these seven years are going to be the richest years of your life than the years you've had all before. If it's a weapon, it can't work on you. Come on, shut somebody and tell them they're talking about me. Now you're doing spiritual warfare because you are casting down imaginations, pulling down strongholds, breaking everything that exalts itself above your knowledge of Christ and you're bringing to captivity.
halt to the obedience of Christ that after your obedience has come in fully all disobedience will be punished anything that opposes you will be punished by God hey I cannot fail I said I cannot fail I know who is inside me Satan you cannot take advantage over me you cannot trick me by science you cannot trick me by fallen wisdom you cannot trick me even by what I feel he said I'm not moved by what I see I'm not moved by what I see. I'm not moved by what I feel. I'm not moved by what I feel. In whatever you have been through there is a man who went through it and won there is nothing in the world that a man has not beaten so don't think you're going to fail don't put it in your head that is why I love that in Psalm 30 he did not say weeping will endure he said it may hey, so you have a choice to weep or not that's what that scripture means. Weeping may. He didn't say will. He didn't say must. He said it may. But you know why it may? Because you see, the Bible says, it says, weeping may endure for a night. Let me explain to you why he says may. Not will, not could, not must. Because you see, when the Bible says that you're children of the day, and you're not children of the night, Ah, you see? Communication, instruction. When the Bible says you're not children of the night, but children of the day, it means that when you understand what God has done by Christ, it's a choice to have a night or not. First Thessalonians 5, 5. Read it. One, two, three, let's go. You are all children of light and the children of the day. We are not of the, nor of. Now, don't blame the psalmist. He was not in your covenant. And if you claim him, it's okay. You may weep. But some of us. The Bible says all the days of the afflicted are what? Evil, isn't it? All the days of the afflicted are what? Are evil. Do you know evil is darkness. But the Bible says, but he that is of a merry heart is of a continual feast. Some people choose to cry. Some of us say we will never cry. And then somebody say, ah, now you see this pride. It is normal to fall sick. Yes, it's normal, but it's not godly. Now look at these proud people. But they don't fall sick. We don't. And if it comes, we don't recognize it. And if it tries to fight, we remember it's cold blooded and we are warm. Oh no, let me explain it. You didn't get it. Let me explain it. Let me explain it. 
Scientists will tell you, if you are running, for example, you need heat huh? for energy. Sometimes a warm-blooded person can run faster and longer. Any warm-blooded creature can run faster and function because it has heat and energy. Cold-blooded creatures move and get tired quickly because they don't have that much what? Heat. You understand what I'm saying? So does it shock you that God typified the devil as a serpent? You got it? Uh -huh. He typified the devil as a serpent. This is a snake. It's cold-blooded. It can run, but it carries no endurance like a warm-blooded person. Eventually they faint and for you still what? That's why I told you guys, the devil may fight hard, but not longer. He will get at one point and say, I can't catch up with this individual. What am I trying to tell you? We don't fail. We don't fall sick. We don't die early. We are not poor. We don't fail. Somebody saying, look at these arrogant people. No, you're the arrogant one. Because you've refused what God has given by Christ. And in fallen wisdom, chosen the way of darkness. So that means, before even the devil starts to attack you, he knows he's not going to win. Can you believe it? He's just trying you. He knows. That's why it's called tricks. It's called wiles. He knows he's not going to win. And then it enters you and then you succumb to it and say, eh, this is taking me. Now you see. You see what's killing you? We are fighters. Oh, 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 oh. Something has just lifted. My goodness, I just saw something. Lift. This was like a burden. It has lifted off somebody. Every time you feel heavy, switch on this summon. It will pump adrenaline in you. And you will run. You're not a man. No. You're not a man. You're the God who opens doors no man can shut. Come on, let's sing it.
by Christ which strengthens you. The one who made the west and the destroyer has given you the comfort that nothing formed against you shall prosper. That same God has promised that no tongue that shall rise against you shall defeat you. He has said in scripture that you shall condemn and hold in judgment. No tongue. No tongue. No tongue of writer. No tongue of media. No tongue of gossip. No tongue of slander. No tongue of blackmail. No tongue of hypocrisy or cheap talk shall be able to stand to defeat you. It shall not. It shall not. Because it's fallen. It only rises to attack you. To see whether you can respond to it. But it is fallen. It's fallen. I declare and I declare that disease is far from you. Bondage is far from you. Struggle is far from you and your children. Lack is far from you. Strife is far from you. Witchcraft is far from you. You cannot fail. You cannot struggle. You will not go backward. You're going to go forward. I see multiplication. I see progress. I see advantage. I see success. I see increase. I see multiplication. Give him a mighty hand clap of praise if you believe it. Come on! No one like you, Jesus, no one like you. you've never given your life to Christ if you're there and you've never given your life to Jesus repeat these words after me say Lord Jesus I thank you because you died for my sins and you were raised for my glory today I have heard your word and I've chosen with my heart to receive you as my Lord and Savior. Today, I am transforming and I'm being translated from darkness to light. Amen. This sermon has been brought to you by Fenero Ministries International. For more information, contact us on telephone number plus 256-200-999400 or email us at info at You can also find us on the web at www.fenero.org. Follow us on our social media platforms on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Subscribe to our YouTube channel at Fenero Ministries International. Or better still, feel free to join us every Thursday for our weekly fellowships at the Uma Upper Gardens from 5 p.m. to 9 p.m. and for our Sunday services at 9 a.m. and 11 a.m. at the Uma Multipurpose Hall. Fenero, make manifest.